1: Hello, I'm Mika Simmons and welcome to this very, very special episode of the Happy Regina podcast in partnership with Venus. Coming up, we have Venus ambassador Alex Light, body confidence campaigner and self-esteem razor. Speaking of razors, we delve deep into how she uses the new Venus razor to give herself the very best pubic shave. But before we go there, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our sponsors. This episode of the Happy Vagina podcast has been brought to you by Venus. Venus, the number one female razor brand in the world, is introducing a new way to care for your pubic hair and skin with the new Venus for pubic hair and skin collection. Despite many women regularly removing their pubic hair, many don't feel comfortable discussing pubic grooming or the issues they face when doing so. Although nearly three-quarters of women believe that they should be able to use words like vagina and pubic in public without feeling shame, nearly half of women say they've been made to feel these aren't appropriate words to use in public. With the new range, Venus wants to legitimise conversations about the pubic area to remove the taboo around pubic language and grooming, encouraging women to free the vulva, that's hashtag free the vulva, and speak openly and honestly about their pubic hair and skin. Welcome to The Happy Vagina, a podcast dedicated to celebrating pioneers in the female space who have made a difference in women's health, equality and relationships. Each week we chat to an inspiring human as they explore the experiences that completely change their outlook, promising not only to educate but also to entertain and enlighten. And in this week's special episode, we are joined by body confidence and anti-diet culture campaigner, Alex Light. Alex spends her life helping women feel better about their bodies. She talks openly about her relationship with diet culture, eating disorders and disordered eating. Alex, welcome to The Happy Vagina.
2: Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
1: As I mentioned, you are a body confidence campaigner, and that's almost a new terminology. We had Stephanie Yeboah on season two, who really explained to me the history of body positivity and how actually that was a movement within the black communities. And you've really honoured that, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I I absolutely try to um, honour that as much as I can. Um, It's difficult because the two spaces are so closely linked and they have been so... They've been combined, really, by the media, um, which I think is a real shame because, as you said, that movement, body positivity, was started by black fat women for black fat women and it's you know a a shame now to see that message sort of include thin white women who are not pushed to the margins of society um so i i try and make that distinction as much as possible and sort of stay in my lane and i i try to you know Let those, you know, let those women who do face fat phobia and racism, let those speak, you know, let them speak for themselves on these issues and try and sort of uplift their voices on these issues as much as I can.
1: When was the first moment that you heard that, because actually I didn't know, I think maybe I'd seen a little bit about it, but Stephanie really enlightened me. Do you remember the first moment that you sort of heard and understood that body positivity was something that as a white uh, body campaigner you shouldn't be using as a terminology. Do you you remember when you first understood that?
2: Good question. And actually it was in an article. Um, So I think I was uh, researching articles to write for Hello Magazine um, around body positivity. And I found an article about why thin white women shouldn't be aligning with the body positive uh, movement. And I was like, what? And at first I felt... um, I almost felt a bit defensive like well mm, why mm. can't everyone be involved in this message everyone has their own struggles mm. and I started to delve into it and realize like actually this is incredibly important to make the distinction between the two mm. um it's it's vital mm. for you know thin thin white women cannot take over this mo- movement because then where's a safe space for people who you know genuinely need
1: it so Body confidence is your yeah. is your is your is your tag, your handle, your thing. Uh, thank God, thank you for what you're doing in the space, Alex. It's um, it's really important, oh, particularly for the young women coming through, that they have. Um, I'm going to say icons. <laughs> I mean role models. <laughs> Love it, <laughs> icons like you. But I just wondered if you could tell me a bit about what that identity means to you. Yeah, good question. So, for me, I think that
2: those identities mean kind of breaking free of the constraints that society has placed on us, mostly women, for so long. And these you know, these constraints are arbitrary, you know, rules and standards that have been enforced on us, like having to be thin or as we're going to get into, you know having a completely hair-free body. And I want to help women feel, good and confident in their own skin and their own bodies exactly as they are. But like, that doesn't mean that I'm not against women uh, changing their bodies. Cause I think it's incredibly important to have full body autonomy and also the means of self-expression, whatever that might look like for, you know, for some people that might be makeup for me, for example, I absolutely adore makeup and I wear it most days um, even if I'm not going out just because I love it like me sitting down to do my makeup is like a a form of therapy but anyway but it can look like you know makeup to some people or it could look like you know even aesthetic body goals or shaving Mm. and I think the distinction that I really try to make is to find out why that we do these things and is it to conform to this arbitrary standard placed on us on our shoulders by a society that profits from our insecurities or is it because we want to do something for us to feel more comfortable for self-expression or just because we want to so yeah I try and encourage us people to explore their why and the reasoning behind it. And even if it does, even if your reasoning is conforming to societal standard, like that's okay too. But I think that acknowledging it and talking about it allows you to explore it and eventually, potentially explore your own true desires as well. If any of that makes sense. It <laughs> that's makes a tons answer. of <laughs> sense.
1: It makes sense. So you're so on brand for the happy vagina, this idea of <laughs> um, autonomy, actually, and having agency over our own choices, but making sure that we've dug deep and understand why we're making them and whether or not we're making them for the right reasons and whether or not we are honouring our highest goddess within the decision.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: And also, like, just deeply recognising that it can change. Like, not not, from day to day, from year to year. I had this great conversation with Jess Megan, and, and she said, I don't know about you, Mika, but... Basically, I've really grown into my campaigner woman. And I just thought, oh, yes, that's true. That's absolutely true. Because when I started the Lady Garden Foundation seven years ago, I called it Lady Garden because I didn't want to say the word vagina. And now I'm out there going... We have to say vagina as much as yeah. possible. So we all we all change and grow. So it's so true, and I think
2: you know we we don't want to be wrong, and we don't want to change our mind. But the, the like the truth is that we're so fallible, and we make mistakes all the time. And also we evolve and grow so much as well. So it's okay to change our mind, and it's okay to say that you know that wasn't right for us back then, but it's right for us now. And I think that's really important as well, and part of. I believe like a a big part of feminism as well At least it is for me like having that ability to assess and analyze and change your mind and change your beliefs and Mm.
1: and be okay with that yeah and the bottom line is is that the reason that we lock ourselves down or other people down into these uh, perceived categories that person is that or I am this person is to try and feel Mm. safe but anyone who's done any kind of spiritual investigation knows that the that true safety the deepest safety lies in not knowing to be able to say I don't know I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow is actually much safer than saying I know everything and I am this person and defining ourselves you you yeah you have had a journey So just reflecting what we're saying, this woman that I am speaking to now has been through quite a journey to get to be this woman who may change again next year. But can you just tell us a little bit about your journey for people who may not have read about you or heard about it?
2: Definitely. So my journey to get here has been, or at least it feels like it's been long, (laughs) very long, long and difficult because I initially struggled, struggled with disordered eating and um, extreme dieting and trying every diet under the sun and eventually it all led to an eating disorder which had me in its grip for most of my 20s all of my 20s actually mm. um and I've always I I've always had this just pure hatred of my body and the skin I was in I just constantly felt like I wanted to crawl out of my own skin and I just hated the way I looked I believed that I wasn't thin enough that I wasn't this enough and that enough and that you know I I had to lose weight essentially to become you know happy and desirable and successful and healthy like that was my overall kind of the the belief that clouded everything um and it was only as I started to recover which was long my recovery was really long and I always note that because I think it's important to note because we hear too many stories about recovery being like quick and simple and you know gets help and recovers and it's often not the case like at all it was really long and hard for me and absolutely not linear and I learned a hell of a lot along the way and I my eyes were open to diet culture and a society that profits from our insecurities a literally profit off and 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 I was I started to understand why we feel so insecure about our bodies and why we collectively have this incredibly low you know incredibly bad body image um and especially with young girls and I just started to want to rebel against it and the more I learned about it the more um the the angry I guess I became uh, and frustrated with the grip that this has on so many women like just like the I'd say the majority of women you know they might not be they might not be their lives might not be impacted day to day by it, but in some way they are impacted by diet culture. Um, And so I just started to campaign against it more and more and learn about it, more resources. And yeah, so now I'm fully, (laughs) fully dedicated to it Um, and just kind of obsessed, I would say is the word, with like wanting to... Make women feel better and good in their own skin and not be tied to this idea that we need to be thin or we need to look a certain way in order to achieve goals or find a partner or, Mm. you know, have success because it's just not true.
1: Mm. It's really difficult. I mean, I would say that I'm a bit of a warrior Definitely a feminist to the core, and I've got a date tonight. I'll let you know how it goes. Oh, uh, well, that's exciting! And, and my, one of my first thoughts was, "Oh, I, I need to lose weight for it." Like it's just so it's so ingrained in in our. Uh, and I was like, "Oh, Mika, stop it!" You know, because yeah. the shame that we have around our bodies starts from a very young age. Actually, for all human beings, we have a deep-rooted shame about our bodies, which is. Um, considering we've been put on this earth as you know God's children I think very sad but for women it is as you've just said and you you talked about at the very beginning of this podcast it's really it penetrates the core of being a woman that somehow or other we have to change I think it's Gloria Steinman who said boys are taught to make their bodies strong to go out And, and girls are taught from a very young age to change their bodies you know right. and I love that you talked about enjoying makeup but the truth is is that it's even from that young age I see my nieces playing with makeup I'm all for it I don't judge it I'm not I'm not saying it shouldn't happen but it is just interesting for me how the genders start to be funneled into certain specific right. so women are funneled into I want to change myself definitely but you're right it's like a you know it's interesting at what
2: point the agendas kind of diverge and 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 that you know diet culture is a tool of the patriarchy as well there's a there's a wonderful quote that I'm probably going to butcher now but it's diet culture keeps women facing the mirror rather than the world and I think that's just spot on you know yeah. it stops us from going out and achieving yeah things that we could like big huge huge things that we can achieve if we put our mind to it rather than have us focused on making our bodies as small as possible or making our bodies as flawless as possible yeah
1: Yeah. one one of the things that, that actually I just was talking about on a post on the happy vagina this week was that I believe that um size stigma and shaming of size in our culture is actually a modern day corset it's, yes. it's it's a it's a in real life corset. So back yes. in the in the in the Victorian era, they used to like tight 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 tight, tight for fashion. And now yeah. the fashion is it's not it's not a corset anymore, but it's in our heads, which is even worse. And actually, one of the things yeah. that has been really beneficial for me in terms of diet culture is understanding that it's actually something that it is in our heads. It's a mental health issue. It's not a food issue. Right. I wondered, Alex. I mean, you said so honestly and. Um, usefully I think about recovery being a long a long process and an ongoing process but I wondered if you know if there was a moment for you that you just kind of was did something happen that actually just made you like mic drop tools down no more done and then of course I know it will have come back again but was there a moment that significantly changed your attitude towards yourself or did it come through in stages
2: yeah it came it came through in stages i always i always like to think of it as um, imperceptible bits of progress that all added up to become to look like recovery and to to look like real progress because I think I was always looking for that like aha moment in recovery because I'd heard it so many times before and I had um, I'm a bit of an obsessive person, like when I've got my mind on a subject, I, I want to just go, go, go and learn about it and, you know, immerse myself in it as much as possible. So i would watched um, countless videos and documentaries about anorexia recovery and read so many books and everyone seemed to have this moment where everything clicked, just like that, and everything made sense from then on and I was always looking for that and I never had it. So I think that's important to, to note as well, that even those bits where... You don't feel like you're making any progress, and even the bits where you feel like you're falling backwards, the the, the lapses, um, those are actually incredibly important as well. And and for me, I can say honestly that they were the moments where I armed myself with the tools and coping mechanisms to actually fully recover. So I think I think for me it was it was. It was a lot of different things, but something that was incredibly important with, um, body image, not necessarily, uh, anorexia recovery, but body image, what was really pivotal was finding an anti-diet culture community, um, people online, discovering people who looked like me and also people of all different shapes and sizes and races and genders who were totally unapologetic about how they looked and confident and comfortable in their own skin and that gave me the confidence I then needed to begin to tackle my own insecurities and my issues with my body image and understand that the way I felt about my body, that it needed to be flawless, that it needed to be thin, was it it was conditioning you know like you said it's in the mind it's it's conditioning by a society that had something to gain from making me feel that way it it wasn't innate and recognising that was so powerful for me and also recognising you know seeing people who look like me and me thinking she looks great she looks amazing like cool like and and what like she looks great and that's that's all there is to it and and me realizing that I could say that about someone who had a fairly similar body to me but I couldn't say that about myself and I think that was a really important moment for me as well like realizing that that indicates that it's it's a it's in my mind Mm. it's a problem within my mind it's not a problem with my body Mm. so I think that was really important as well
1: Mm, mm, that's thank god for social media
2: Alex Thank God for social media. <laughs> I know. I mean, I know it has its downsides. It definitely has its downsides, and there are some like, you know, there it can be detrimental in many ways. But it is incredible for you know, opening people up to communities of like-minded people, yeah. and you know, for us able, like because we only had the media before that. And that created the narrative around body image and around everything, really. But now we can steer our own narrative and create our own narrative with social media, which is incredible. Mm. And definitely, I think...
1: Well, we can steer our own narrative and we can also campaign. Uh, One of the things that that Mm. I really love about it is that, you know, a young woman in a school who only has the 50 mates at school with her following her, if she wants to use social media to have a voice, it's just, it's so liberating. And, you know, in a way that, Anyone living outside of a kind of a media bubble didn't have a voice before. And and it's just, it's so exciting. It can also be incredibly detrimental. But in terms of campaigning, Alex, you've turned your, your, your sights and your voice to pubic hair. And this is The Happy Vagina. And we are huge fans of talking about anything to do with gynecological health, obviously. And I just wondered, before we start talking about Bush or no Bush... Uh, hair or no hair, shaving, uh, which I do, Uh, I wondered if we could just talk a little bit about your own personal experience with your gynae health because I've had struggles with food all my life and I think it's definitely impacted my sex life um, in the sense Mm. that I think that it can take away from our sensuality but it can also, if you do struggle with anorexia, to a very... um. Severe extent, it can it can impact your periods, and I just wondered, kind of whether or not your mm. your journey has impacted your relationship to your gynae health, your vagina, your all of that hairy of your body hairier, yeah. all of that. <laughs> I am so on brand, <laughs> so on brand. <laughs> all of that hairier hair of your body, uh, if it did impact marriage. it, and 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 actually where you're at with it today like you know what what what's that been journey been like for you yes so I think I think that
2: um that sort of shame around my body uh applied to all areas of my body you know not just how thin I was or how much cellulite I had Mm. but my vagina as well I I grew up in a really reserved household and I have four sisters as well but we never ever ever discussed anything to do with vaginas if it ever had to be referred to which was very rare it was simply known as Mm down (laughs) there like just Mm down there and that was it you know and I think I saw that I kind of saw that attitude reflected back at me in society too I was very aware that vaginas and vulvas were a taboo subject and it it led to to, for me to a lot of um, misunderstanding I think and misinformation around the pubic area and I think that's actually the case for many many women because we don't talk about it because it's it's taboo to talk about it which is crazy which is just wild because it's literally a part of our body and it's just wild to me that there is just so much taboo around it and I think because of that because we don't there is that taboo we don't have this open and honest discussion around Mm -hmm. it so therefore I had just no idea what was normal what wasn't normal I mean when I first when I first developed pubic hair I was like oh my god what is this I was horrified I was like Mm. oh no this is awful Mm. you know because I'd never had the conversation and no one had ever said to me that's normal that what that's what happens when you enter puberty and I was just really taken aback and really disgusted by it is is like shameful about it as well um and same with same with periods really I mean I was really, I was quite late to get my period and I was too scared to tell anyone that I hadn't had it yet. I was too embarrassed. So I just said that I'd already had my period and I just pretended, you know, to, to be on my period. Um, and yeah, I just, I just, I just think like I'm so happy now that there is, you know, people like you mm. doing this wonderful podcast and talking mm. openly about these issues and Venus who are opening the conversation and, and you know, campaigning to free the vulva, which I love. Mm. Um, and I just think it's so incredibly important because it doesn't do any good to to have this subject be a taboo and for there to be then, you know, uh, no dialogue around it. I think that's really damaging for girls.
1: Do you want to know what's really interesting Is that we couldn't be in terms of, I mean, I feel we're kindred spirits. Just put that there. But like we couldn't. So I had a feminist mother who had vagina examining workshops in our home. Wow. I have a brother, no sisters. And I got my periods very early. Right. And I can tell you, Alex, that I did exactly the same as you. I lied and said I didn't have my periods. Really? I was mortified when the pubic hair came through because I didn't know what it was. So, what I think we're actually coming to here in this conversation is a deep realization that actually our, our stories, our family stories, are not potentially the real issue. I think there's something much, much deeper underneath it. And this is our base chakra yeah. as women. This area of our body is the most sacred part of our, for all human beings actually yeah. for every human being this is where life comes from for men and yeah. for women this is where life comes from and somehow or other i would suggest through religious texts and also through um historical shaming and confusion and fear of that area of the body fear of of the menstrual cycle you know fear of of men's desire potentially but I think that Mm. it's potentially much deeper than our family histories and I've only just realized that from you're you're sharing you're telling me these things I'm going but I did that but I did it the opposite way around so there must be something much deeper going on here And I I think that the, the 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 area that we're in is 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 talking about shaming and one of the things that I wanted to speak to you about specifically is and it comes to hair and removing pubic hair. So thank you for mentioning Venus and um, because Venus are bringing out a specific razor for shaving your vagina area, uh, your your pubic bone area and. Uh, which I'm really excited about. I've used Venus since I was, since they came out. Um, so because they weren't around, but my first experience of shaving was as a teenager. My mother came into the bathroom and I was shaving my legs and she went absolutely ballistic, my feminist mother. She was really? like, Why? Yeah, because I was shaving the back of the top of them. You don't do that. It grows the hair back, et cetera. Anyway, she <laughs> then actually went off and chatted to loads of her female friends. And because my mother was a true feminist, she came back to me and she apologised. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, and she said that she was sorry that there were women who, I feel really emotional, there's always a moment. Um, Yeah, she was such an amazing woman. But she apologised for the fact that she had uh, been so, that she was imposing her feminist beliefs on my teenage, I would suggest struggles, because I think when it comes to her removal, there is an element of us needing to Uh, Ring fence teenage hair removal. So this conversation that we're about to have, I think that, you know, as as a teenager, we need better education for young teenagers so that they aren't falling into the codependent. I I removed my leg hair because I was uh, like you wanting to fit in essentially I did it because I wanted to fit yes. it. It wasn't a conscious decision. Yes. I literally was doing it because everyone else was doing it. And that's quite common for teenagers yeah. and that's we'll leave that one aside just for now um and come back to my mum uh, and the shaming yeah. of each other for the things we do which which mum didn't do in the end. But I just I think in this space of hair removal because Venus have got this razor coming out which is specifically for removing your 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 body hair and one of the things that upsets me the most Alex the most is the shit within the women's movement is the shaming of other people's choices. And I wondered what you right. were on that. Yes. Yes. This is, do you know what? This is something I talk about a lot
2: um, because um, it, is, it is related, but with diet culture, you know, I, because I'm anti-diet culture, a lot of people say, well, then you can't be pro weight loss. And I'm like, I am for what women doing whatever they want to their body, whether that means gaining weight, losing weight, shaving their entire body or letting their hair grow completely, ungroomed completely. I think it's so important. Like, and that, that to me, I don't know what you think, but to me, that's, that's at the core of feminism to me is allowing women to do what, they want to do without judgment as long as it's not hurting other people obviously yeah. <laughs> or like causing direct harm yeah. but letting them do whatever they want to do with their bodies yeah. i think it's absolutely up to you whether you decide to shave not shave it's 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 totally your choice your body and, and your choice but i think it's what i think is is really good is that you know a lot of women do choose to shave mm. and so like you said we need more education around that Mm. because rather than this be like this taboo thing like you're supposed to be completely hair free but we're not really going to tell you how to do it properly Mm. (laughs) and we're going to leave you being we're going to leave you quite uncomfortable and not knowing what this is and that is and you know with these ingrown hairs and this irritation and itching but we don't really care about that we just want you to be hair free right like that's kind of at least that's how i felt like i'm supposed to be this way but I don't really know how to do it properly. Um, so th- that's what I love about and um, what Venus is doing as well, is like opening this conversation up around it and showing us how to actually, if you want to remove your pubic hair, this is how to do it to get the best results that, and that you aren't uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I I think um, one of the things that I find really difficult in the space of like blaming and shaming is that there is a message around it that um, you're, it's really interesting because there's this sort of message around removing pubic hair that Um, it means you're not a feminist. And um, actually the history and and, and also Playboy magazine gets blamed a lot. But I just need everyone to know that in the 60s and 70s, Playboy magazine was all up for the bush. And I wouldn't put it past and be back for it again. You know, like the bottom line is, is that it was Darwin who started the uh, movement in hair removal because Darwin uh, suggested that people without hair uh, were of a higher intellectual status so uh, from right. that moment onwards i have been removing all my hair <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's it's it is i think that people will latch on to an idea to fight their argument rather than being open minded and as i said at the beginning you know open mindedness or, or 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 not being able to say that we don't know, or accept deeply accepting, as you've just said, deeply accepting human beings to be who they are at that moment in time is a phenomenal Sorry. thing to, to be able to do and actually makes for a much happier life, I think. But I just wondered whether or not you think... What, what do you think still needs to happen in the space of pubic hair? Because the word itself... Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, I was thinking, this is a pubic service announcement. (laughs) Mika Simmons, host of The Happy Vagina, was like, oh, pubic. Yeah, that is kind of like, I don't use it. Yeah.
2: I don't use it.
1: I don't, I don't use it. Like, we need to reclaim this. And then I was thinking about Mm. um, pubic hair and I was thinking, what is pubic hair? Is it the same? Why is it so special? What is so different about it? You know, and, and, and so I've done my own kind of little introverted chat with myself, which went particularly well. <laughs> <laughs> I just wondered what you think needs to happen in the pubic hair space still to get people to feel less mm, frightened is the word I'd use less frightened of it.
2: Yeah. So I, I think like, I think dialogue like what we're doing right now like open and frank discussion of our vaginas you know not using like euphemisms and like you said reclaiming like the word pubic like even saying it still it still feels odd to hear myself say it because I've just never really said that word it just still feels so taboo but there it shouldn't be taboo so I think that's incredibly important and I think do you know what There was a really interesting statistic that Venus came out with. So they did a study and like, I think half of respondents or nearly half agree that they have been made to feel that the word vagina or pubic are not appropriate terms to use in public, (laughs) which is wild, right? Because it's like we said, it's just part of our body. So I think that's really important. The more we, you know, exposure therapy, the more that we talk about it and the more we expose ourselves to it and people are exposed to it, then the less taboo there's going to be around it. I think that brands actually play a huge part in it. And by shying away from calling it what it is, you know, a a tool like a razor or a, a cream or whatever for the pubic area, I think by shying away from it, that only serves to fuel the taboo around it
1: also I've just had a light bulb moment Alex which is that up until now most of the conversation in in and amongst brands around pubic hair to shave or not to shave bush or no bush are the more boutique brands that are actually selling like bush oils and stuff like that and this is really exciting because this is one of the first brands that is taking that conversation into the space of It's okay to shave and it is okay to shave. I shave in between waxing and I really enjoy it. And of course, there's a lot of conversation around the benefits of pubic hair. And there are benefits. There are, it is there for a reason. And there are lesser benefits for removing it. But as we've said, I think that it's about finding your own deepest acceptance with what you want to do and if you do want to remove it you should do it in a safe way and can you just tell me a little bit about how the Venus products are going to help that
2: I was I was genuinely chuffed to see these products because I used to uh, go for waxes go for bikini waxes and I have really sensitive skin so bikini waxes for me are any kind of waxes for me are hell on earth absolutely hell on earth I would dread it I'd have to take two paracetamol and two ibuprofen before I went and the whole time tears streaming down my face maybe I maybe I just have a very low pain threshold but I think I have sensitive skin as well and I just I was doing all of that because shaving for me has historically been so uncomfortable in the pubic area because I get irritation and I get ingrown hairs and it- itching as well. I don't know about you, but historically, whenever I would shave, I would just get like horrendous itching in the first few days. So I was really chuffed about these new products because it's like it's like skin care. For your pubic area it's amazing there's a serum there's um an exfoliant which actually helps stop the the ingrown hairs um and it's like why why have we never been taught this stuff <laughs> you know why why didn't we know why have we never been taught like this is the way that you stop ingrown hairs like you're supposed to exfoliate and it actually helps and
1: and maintains the 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 grooming better it is weird, isn't it? Because I sort of stumbled on that as well. I used to have one of those body... Loafers? Loafers. No, it's not a loafer. It's like all net. and, and I, Oh, yeah. It's actually, to be honest with you, it's just for using with soap to wash your body, to get lava. But I worked out about 10 years ago that actually a good scrub after I've had a shave for the next few days stops the ingrown hairs and stops the, the scrubbing. So I kind of worked that out right. for myself. Now right. I daily... Um, that's a lie. I just told a lie. As much as possible yeah. now, I try to dry skin brush and I always make sure I do that area, particularly if I have shaved. And yeah. and, I, and I've and i only just realised from what you said that no one taught me that. I had to work that out for myself. So it must be something yeah. to do with the yeah. fact that no one's honouring shaving. Like nobody, because let's face it, let's be really honest about it. There's a bit of a war between the bush and the no bush. There is actually right. a kind of like, and, and we, yeah. we put that to rest. We've basically put that down. We're not interested in that. But what that potentially has meant is that the strongest voice has been around how to look after your pubic hair and that no one's been really teaching us how to look after that area if we want to shave. Really interesting. I hadn't quite realized that, that I'd had to sort of teach myself.
2: Yeah you, you did I'm, I'm like well done for coming up, up with that for yourself because I did, I couldn't <laughs> I just turned to waxing because I was just too uncomfortable and yeah there's like the new Venus razor as well it's smaller mm. and has an anti-irritation um, band as well but the fact that it's smaller means it can get into all the all the places that are actually really difficult to get into with a normal size razor which makes
1: so much sense it's like of course. And does it have does it have some thought behind it in terms of not clipping yourself? So this hasn't ever happened to me, but I did have a girlfriend who shaved and she and and she did it so I've been extremely careful ever since whenever I shave. I think she went into her labia. So she didn't uh, not sorry, I don't mean she went into with the razor, but I think that she essentially Rather than just taking the hair off from the bikini line, which, by the way, oh, right. is why people started to remove pubic hair, was because of the advent of the bikini. I don't know if you knew that, but it was it, it was exempt no. from the war. So essentially, in the 1940s, women didn't have stockings um, because of the war. So they started to shave their legs. And quite soon after that, the bikini was invented and they'd already started to shave their legs. So then they started to trim the hair where the bikini was and it became fashion. And I, I also sort of, I'm going on a bit of a tangent, but I really need to say this. I feel it's a real insult to those women and what they were experiencing at that time for us to say that it's not okay today like we have to really honor history and how different fashions came through because I bet at the Mm. time when the bikini came in and those women first started removing their their pubic hair they were like this is so cool this is like this was the first time that anyone had ever done it so I think it's really important to be deeply respectful of women's journey through history but well said, and I've never thought about it like that. But that's a really, really important point. Actually. So important to respect women's yeah. history. I just, I find it really annoying when, when, when people just completely overrule something that women fought for back then that was right to, to be fought for in in the in the movement yeah. and the flow that is that is that is feminism. But coming back to the razor itself and shaving uh, down there. So I had this really gorgeous girlfriend called Eloise, who's actually moved to Glastonbury to become a witch, which is a whole other conversation. She's so cool. oh wow. Yeah 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 she's probably got a bush. Um anyways she's um she 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 clipped herself by accident with a razor. Um and I think this is something that we need to really address Alex. I think it's really important that women are incredibly careful if they are going to shave their pubic area or go slightly further into giving themselves more of a, 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 a an American or a Brazilian—I don't know what they're all called—but I think I think it's really important that we do talk about it because the bottom line is, is we could say, well, this razor is only for the pubic bone, but the truth is, is that's not what women do. I don't—I definitely take the hair off all around, and I'm incredibly careful about it because I don't want to be like Eloise and how she had a tiny little 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 cut. And oh, I know. So tell me what what your top tips are for women. In terms of shaving, to keep themselves really safe around their vulva and the labia and the whole pubic vagina area? Um, so, I actually
2: really enjoy shaving. It's a fun little, it's a nice little sort of calming ritual for me. I make sure that I take my time with it, I'm really slow and I'm careful and considered. Um, and obviously, do it in full light as well, so I know exactly what's going on. And I can see what's going on, and um, the the Venus's new product as well—the the shaving gel. It's actually a clear formula, which is great because it means that you can fully see exactly what's going oh, that's on. That's amazing. Um,
1: that's actually really amazing because the shave, the shaving foam I've got at the moment is white, and I can't see what I'm doing. It, it's 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 a it's a barrier, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's actually that's yeah, genius. It's actually- Of course, of course, all shaving. Hang on a second, like, hold on, drop the mic. Yeah, hang on, (laughs) hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. (laughs) All shaving gel forever
2: should be clear. But what I what I love as well, which is important for me, is that it's fragrance free. Because so, like I told you, like I've got sensitive skin, so I have to be really careful, Mm. like what I use on it. So I tend to go for um, fragrance free. Um, fragrance-free stuff, like really gentle formulas um, and exfoliation as well. Like we mentioned, exfoliation, I um, I think is really important. That stops the ingrown hairs. Um, it stops some of the irritation as well. And putting something on after, which I think is what people totally forget to do, which I actually didn't know that you should do um, until relatively recently. So put on a serum afterwards, mm. which can help just like hydrate, and also gently, gently exfoliate if it's got an exfoliation in it. Um, I think that's really important as well, just to maintain the area.
1: It is really important that any products that you use on your vagina area, before anyone tells me that the vagina is not the vulva. Um, but I just <laughs> want to say to everyone that's listening, in case they hadn't thought about it, there isn't another word for the whole area. I mean, listen, we've now had so many drop the mic moments in this podcast, Alex. I'm like blowing my own mind. Love but it. literally, how else do you describe that area of your body? Give me a word. There isn't one. There isn't Vagina. a word that describes the yeah. entire. So so when you say your knee, you mean your kneecap and whatever else is in your knee, Right. And no one yeah. says, wow, you can't call it your knee because it's not really your knee because, <laughs> because the knee is the name for the whole area of the knee. Right. But we don't have. Right. I mean, you right. could say my gynecological area or you could say my reproductive area. <laughs> but essentially, that's talking about your internal organs. So anyway, for all the exactly. haters. So, I mean, we are celebrating. Uh, um vulva day and 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 i'm a bit yeah. of a vulva lover um but i think that the while it's really important that we deeply understand the anatomy i also think that vagina is a great word to describe the whole area of your body and the ph balance it's really important that you keep it at its neutral which do you know is the same as tomatoes and beer no
2: <laughs> is it <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i've, I've learned so much it's
1: amazing the ph balance of your vagina is 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 the same as tomatoes and beer and it's so important because we don't really need it's self-cleansing it's self-cleansing yeah. and while these yeah. um products we're talking about aren't cleansers they're um goddesses uh we are um we we do need to make sure that they are really not going to create any negative side effects and you've tried them they're fantastic.
2: And yeah, all pH balance, which is obviously something you look for as well, like you said. I just gave to put some beer on my vagina.
1: What do you shave with? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm using the Venus products. Oh, I'm using tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, we're running out of time and um, oh. I feel really honoured to have had a chat with you today and to be on this journey with fellow warriors like you. And I think just coming back to your the beginning of the podcast and our conversation around your primary work before you became a pubic campaigner uh, as a (laughs) campaigner and and if you could say a little bit for our listeners because I feel like I know it's a mercurial thing one's self-esteem but I feel like you found yours you may not have it every single minute of every single day but I feel like you found some freedom that you've found your voice. You, you mentioned staying in your lane and I feel like you're in your lane and the lane is a good lane for oh, Alex Light. But for anyone who's listening who hasn't found their lane yet and is really still struggling with their self-esteem, can you tell us about mm. some things that have helped you find your freedom and stop the self-loathing?
2: Definitely. So I feel like this one's almost overused, but I think it's incredibly important. It's always the first thing I say, which is to um, surround yourself both online and offline with people that make you feel inspired and positive and uplifted. And, you know, I know that's that's harder in real life, but it's very easy online. And we spend so much of our time online that I think it's vital absolutely imperative that we make this experience and, and we make sure that what we consume is as positive as possible and if anyone triggers you makes you feel bad just unfollow them if you can't unfollow them just mute them the mute button is fantastic don't don't underestimate it and make sure that your your space is just um serves you as best that it can and follow people of all different shapes and sizes. Like I was talking about before, what was what was actually a pivotal moment for me was following people that looked like me and following people that didn't look like me as well, following people that were in much larger bodies and much smaller bodies. And I think that exposure to all different kinds of people and how, you know, how the world looks as a whole, rather than just how the media tells us a person is supposed to look. I think exposure to that opens our eyes up to the idea that there's beauty in all different types of sizes mm. and shapes mm. and bodies mm. it's not just this very narrow standard of beauty that's been enforced upon us mm. that is not the only type of beautiful there's so much beauty in the world and the, i i believe that this beauty the be- the real beauty is in diversity mm. like in ha- in having people of all different shapes and sizes mm. like there's a reason we don't all look the same mm. we're not supposed to and that's a really cool thing mm. so i think opening your eyes up to that is really really important and will really help you start to accept the way you look mm. and appreciate your differences mm. rather than wanting to change yourself to look like a certain celebrity or, you know, changing yourself to fit into that standard of beauty, mm. but open, you know, but make you realise that actually your quirks and your so perceived flaws, I'm putting that in air quotes, um, are what make you beautiful, what make you unique and diverse, and that's really, really a cool thing. So I think that is my, like, top tip to anyone, I'll say, like, just, just, yeah, try and expose yourself to all the beauty in you know how people look there is so much beauty outside of what we are told is beautiful
1: Mm, those are amazing stay really open-minded and within that to thine own self be true it's like this amazing dichotomy that you can hold the space for deep acceptance of other human beings and still be deeply quoting Shakespeare true to yourself Thank you, Alex. Love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank for you joining so us. much. It was an absolute pleasure. My grandma